everyone. Welcome to another edition of the My Nights Are Booked podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and today we're going to be talking about San Diego Comic-Con Special Edition. Uh, it's a, It was a three-day event that took place over Thanksgiving weekend, and I had the enormous pleasure of being able to go down to the convention center and take part in all of the, the excitement. Um, I have to say, after two years of missing Comic-Con and missing events on this scale, it was it was really something special to go down there and, you know, it was the timing, everything was very weird and it felt different, but it also felt really amazing. And it was so much fun being around everybody and, you know, just, just being back and into this sense of normalcy that has kind of been missing over the past couple, you know, 18, 20 months or so. It's just, it feels like we've been, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, but there was a distinct difference between this Comic-Con and previous Comic-Cons. So to be fair, I'm not going to compare the two because there is no comparison. It's totally apples and oranges. The only thing that they have in common is the fact that they're run by the same people, Comic-Con International. They were uh, they take place at the San Diego Convention Center. They're in San Diego, and and really that's kind of about it. I mean, it it was really you know it, it was called special event, um, special edition, and uh, it it really was a special event in that sense, um, and that's what made it really, well, for lack of better words, special. Um, that's what really made it the event that it was because it's not a normal Comic Con, but there were a lot of you know, there were a lot of similarities and everything. Um, so just to kind of start out, I guess, you know, the thing is, is that it, it caused a lot of controversy when it was first announced because it took place over Thanksgiving weekend. And for many people, this was the first opportunity that, you know, that they had to spend Thanksgiving with their families after missing the past, you know, the the past year's Thanksgiving because of the pandemic. And so this was really the first opportunity for people to see their families after you know, if at a major holiday for, you know, months, even, even over a year is in some cases. So there was a lot of controversy when this, this convention was first announced, but I think as time went on, you know, it really kind of separated. I, I, I don't want to say that it was mostly locals, but I have to say there was a lot of, a lot of Padres fans in attendance, you know, they were wearing their jerseys and their San Diego stuff. So I have to think that that a lot of people kind of made a decision to to go to Comic-Con if, you know, it's one thing if you live in San Diego or live in Southern California to go back and forth. It wasn't that big of a deal. But I I really don't think that a lot of people who were traveling from other parts of the country made it to this event. It really wasn't that kind of kind of an event, Um, you know, because of the holiday weekend and because of the expense of getting flights and staying at hotels it really, it was a muted convention. And what I mean by that is it, it had all of the elements. There were panels, there were special guests, there were, uh, you know, there were offsite exhibits, there were uh, celebrities, there were exhibit hall vendors, there was cosplay, there was a masquerade, there was, all, you know, all of the elements were there, but it wasn't on the great scale that we're, we've come to expect at, you know, the normal Comic-Con. And that's why I say it can't compare them because they just, they just weren't the same. I mean, Hollywood really wasn't there. Um, if, if I had to summarize 
what the, the exhibit hall floor looked like. It reminded me of something you might see at like an anime expo or, you know, something, something along those lines. There was a huge presence from Japanese animation. There were a lot of, um, a lot of the vendors that you usually see it at kind of smaller conventions, which was, it was actually kind of cool to see because not only was this an opportunity for smaller vendors to get into Comic-Con, you know, it's, it's, it's damn near impossible to do that during the normal event because there's just so much demand and there's only so much floor space. So, you know, there were a lot of people who had never exhibited at Comic-Con before who were able to get into this event. Um, you know, from the very start, one of the, the most interesting aspects. So, you know, to get in, you had to go through a vaccine check first. And, and that line, if you're familiar with Comic-Con and familiar with, with the convention center, the line started at, at Hall F, outside Hall F. It wound all the way down to the grass outside Hall H. It went through about, uh, I think, seven switchbacks along the grass before going all the way back to uh, to Hall F, turning around, and then going back to Hall H. And uh, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was, it was a crazy line. It took about oh, maybe 40 minutes to get through. And, uh, you know, you had to show your vaccine card or proof of negative uh, test results. And then and then you got to go inside Hall H. Now, instead of being a massive uh, hall for presentations and panels, it was actually just an empty room with all of the the, the badge check-in areas and, and all of the different places for professionals and press and, and attendees. And for the first time in probably 10 years, you could actually buy a badge on site. So you could just show up and go to Comic-Con. And, and that's something that I mean, I used to do that when I was younger. I mean, you'd get out of school and you'd be like, hey, let's go to Comic-Con. Like, it wasn't a big deal. And it was kind of neat to be able to do that. One of the, you know, one of the, the reasons for that is it just wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't the same. And so you, did, you didn't have people clamoring to get in because, you know, it was, it, I mean, it was, it was weird being Black Friday. It was, it was weird knowing that we had just had Thanksgiving dinner the night before so it, everything about it was was very different, but once you went into the convention center, you know, so so you you were inside in Hall H, but it was completely unrecognizable. I mean, the lights were on for God's sake. The lights are never on during regular Comic Con because it's dark for panels, and so you know you had this this room. There were no chairs. It was all you know the 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 curtains and tables and all of that stuff. I mean, it didn't even have carpet, which is weird. It was all cement floor, which is kind of normal for some conventions, but most conventions tend to have carpeting and Comic-Con is known for its carpeting and, and, uh, you know, you get into the, the booth space and it's the padded carpeting. So it makes your feet feel good when you've been walking around all day. And so it was, it was, it was kind of weird to see that it was very sterile. And, um, you know, I, I have to say that it made me think a lot about the fact that from about April, 2020 till July, 2021, the convention center has been home to uh, to homeless individuals and uh, unaccompanied minors who were who arrived at the border and uh, needed a place to stay, you know, during COVID. And so it's been housing people. People were literally living in the convention center up until July. So, in a weird way, it was a kind of a reminder that you know the the, the that cement floor. 
is probably the easiest thing to keep because it could be sterilized so much easier than carpet, which would have to be, you know, probably removed between events. So it was really, it was really a trip to see, you know, the, the, the physical differences. But once you got your badge, this is where it gets interesting. So they had uh, one of those enormous panels that separates the halls. And it was right at about, I want to say G, maybe, no, it was F. Yeah, it was F. So right as you, uh, right as you go to go in, there's this panel and it's open, you know, 20 feet or whatever, you know, they're massive, massive panels that, you know, slide out and and divide up the halls. So you went in and it was, it was Artist Alley. And I thought, you know, this is really neat that everybody who have, who walks into the convention has to walk through Artist Alley. And I've never, I've never seen Comic-Con, I've never seen the exhibit hall so full of people shopping before. Admittedly, summertime Comic-Con, normal Comic-Con, there are people, you know, trying to get their swag. There are people running back and forth to get the exclusives. There are people, you know, trying to get to the autograph areas and all of the, you know, all of the things that you do for Comic-Con. But this year, because it was so different, everybody was out there trying to, you know, to get to the booths. I mean, it was, it was a shopping day for so many people because, you know, it's Black Friday weekend and that's what people do. And so, it was really cool to see that everybody had to go through Hall H and then go out into Artist Alley and funnel out into the convention from there. And so it gave the artists there so much more exposure than they normally get. And I thought that was a really neat thing to see. Most of the booths, as you walk through the convention, no matter what time of day it was, they were they had people shopping. I mean, I was I was at Alex Sinclair's booth. He's a, uh, he's a, a colorist for, you know, some of the biggest titles in comic books. And I was, uh, I was looking at a print and this guy walked up and he's like, how much for this, this exclusive Jim Lee signed, uh, it was a Batman 50 cover. And he's like, you know, it's 300 bucks. The guy threw down 300 bucks and walked away with this, this exclusive print. And it was like, you do, you know, you do see those things during Comic-Con, but you don't see them as much because there's, you know, it's so expensive to be there. So you have to figure, you know, that people don't shop the way they, they usually do, or they're throwing their money down at the big booths, you know, Funko, Hasbro, um, Mattel, you know, the places that have all of these, these amazing exclusives. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But seeing, you know, seeing somebody spend $300 on this, this exclusive piece of art was just, it was kind of cool. And it, it just serves as a reminder of, you know, the power of, uh, you know, having an event where people can just browse, you know, it, with Comic-Con, you're just, you're being rushed through so quickly that uh, you don't, you don't really get a chance to browse because it's so crowded that the, the security has to keep people moving and, uh, you know, so I really appreciated the ability to stop and really look at things. Some of the booths that I noticed uh, at this convention, you know, as I said, it kind of reminded me of, of Anime Expo or, you know, any of those, those anime conventions. There were a lot of, um, you know, really popular, um, you know, Japanese animation studios there. And, and uh, you know, there were the, there were the usual suspects styling online with their sweatshirts and t-shirts. And there were, you know, a couple of vendors with their giant towers of mystery boxes. And, um, but, you know, but what, what made it really neat is that everything was Christmas. There were so many people with Christmas trees at their booths and stockings and, 
you know, their Batman stockings and their, their holiday lights and their, you know, just the, all of the stuff that you, you never see San Diego Comic-Con with, you know, with people with, you know, Christmas, you know, I mean, even the cosplay, I mean, there are people cosplaying as the Grinch and it worked because it was Christmas. Like it was, so it was really cool to see that the exhibit hall was, you know, it really, it felt like Christmas. I mean, everywhere you looked, there was something Christmas there. And so, you know, even that just kind of set the mood that, you know, that this was something very different and very special for so many people. So I was really happy as I walked through and, you know, saw how many people were, you know, buying things and supporting small business. And, and, you know, it also, the Saturday of Comic-Con is small business Saturday. So seeing people buying their, you know, buying Christmas presents for people at Comic-Con. I mean, it, it, it really says a lot. And I think it's really neat that, um, you know, it was kind of like returning to the roots. And when you think about it, I mean, this was, this is what Comic-Con used to be like. It wasn't always Hollywood and big panels and, you know, offsites and swag and all of that. It wasn't always like that. And so this is, you know, it was really kind of a return to the way it used to be. And I wouldn't mind having two conventions in the same year, having the big one in the summer that everybody wants to go to, and then having one where people can go and and buy stuff and see things and not feel rushed and you can have exhibits and have things that people want to see and have masquerades where people can do cosplay and, and actually walk through the convention hall with, you know, with their cosplay and not be surrounded by so many people that they can't walk. I mean, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. And I think it's something that I think that Comic-Con International is going to have to look at that in the future because, I don't know that they're going to be able to get back to having 160,000 people packed into the convention center in the future. I just, I don't see that happening with, you know, the way these variants keep spreading out of and out of control. I just, I don't see Comic-Con returning to the way it was. It could be a, 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 a variation of the way it was, but I just, I don't see it being the way it was anytime soon. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they need to spread it out a little bit. I mean, you have a lot of studios doing their, their own things. I mean, Netflix has their own convention or it's like an online gathering and DC does something. And, and, uh, you know, so there's, there are ways that people, that, that studios can get really cool, exclusive information to people that's not a convention. And maybe that's the way of the future. Maybe that's what we start seeing more of so that, you know, Comic-Con itself can kind of scale back and, and, not have people camping overnight outside in close in close proximity to each other because maybe that's maybe we maybe we're not supposed to do that I don't know that's that's way above my pay grade and I, I really don't know you know what the what the future holds but it's really interesting to see now even though it was a smaller convention there still were some off-site exhibits uh, the Marriott was wrapped with a peacemaker uh, ad and uh which was kind of cool because there was also a peacemaker off-site and hbo max was one of the sponsors of the event the event and uh john cena actually made an appearance during the uh during the masquerade he came out dressed as as peacemaker and and you know surprised the crowd and you know so it was it was even even a scaled back comic-con offered really cool events like that and, uh, and I have to say, it was really cool seeing that on, on, uh, social media that, that he had, he had come out and done that. I thought that was really cool. 
Um, La Brea was featured at the Tin Fish, you know, which is usually where NBC does their displays. And so they had this big La Brea uh, offsite exhibit, which kind of made me laugh because when you think about all of the things that have been displayed there over the years, they tend not to do well. So hopefully that's not a sign of what's to come for La Brea because it's kind of a cool show and I'd like to see it keep going. But um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was cool to kind of have those same kind of the same elements but in a different way. And, you know, when I, when I was walking over from where I parked to, uh, to get to the convention center, I mean, I could have, there was no, uh, you know, you didn't have to have a badge to get into the offsite. There were three people in line, three people. And I could have just walked in and I, I didn't cause I was on my way to the convention center. But the point is, is that it was really cool to be able to do that. And, and if you wanted to go to an offsite, you could just go to an offsite. It, it really wasn't like, planning, you know, four hours of your day to commit to go see the Jack Ryan thing that, you know, the Amazon Prime display, because that's how long it takes to get through it. And then you lose four hours. I mean, that's kind of the thing about this. And and I have to say that that's why I really appreciate Comic-Con at home, because you don't miss panels that way. I mean, yeah, you're not there in person, but you know what? Let's be real. If you're, if you're in Hall H, and you're in the back of Hall H, you're watching the presentation on a screen anyway, because you're so far away. So I would rather sit at home and get the information and then be able to go to a special edition of Comic-Con where I can go browse all the stuff and see all the stuff. And, you know, maybe they have more big name vendors and studios and things like that for the exhibit hall. But maybe there's a way to blend all of these things together and, and have some kind of hybrid at home event and uh, an in-person event that's, you know, kind of on the old scale and then have something like this, you know, this special edition where it's, it's geared towards shopping and, you know, kind of the old, the, the things, I mean, they, they had panels, they had all of these things. It just wasn't the huge scale that it used to be. And, you know, like I said, I, I think there's something to that. I think it's really worth exploring. And um, I was glad to see it. I, I, I was really glad to see that it all came together and, you know, there were, it wasn't perfect. There were some things, I mean, the line to get in, in the vaccine line was ridiculous and, uh, it was kind of antithetical to the, uh, to the cause because people were all standing around in close proximity with no masks. So it was outside. And so, you know, you kind of had to trust that people were doing the right thing, but once you got inside, everybody was wearing masks. Everybody was cool. Nobody had any problems not wearing masks. I mean, that's, you know, that's the, the nerd community that I love so much is that, you know, science, we, we like science. So you didn't really have people flipping out over, over those things. But I, I think the, the check-in procedure could have been better. I think they could have allotted more people and not had so many lines. Uh, you know, how many have, they have more lines with fewer people lined up would be ideal. They had enough space for it. They could have done it. And, uh, you know, the whole sales pavilion upstairs was just seating and there was a, a bit of an autograph area, but the whole half of the, of the sales pavilion that used to be dedicated to checking in and the, and the artists, uh, or the art gallery, that was all just open seating. So they had the space to have more areas for people to queue in the, in the morning to get in and, uh, you know, to get their badges and, so they really could have done more with the vaccine check to keep the lines at a reasonable size. But other than that, I mean, I, I have to say that it, it really seemed to be 
um, it seemed to be a, success, a big success and I, I would love to see it come back and I'd love to see, you know, like I, said, I, I think we should have two conventions in San Diego, have one in the summer and one in the fall and, you know, spread the love a little bit. I really don't think it can hurt. So now that it's over, I, I just, uh, I thought I'd share my, my observations with everybody and, and, uh, hopefully you, you know, I would love to know if you were at San Diego Comic-Con special edition, let me know, hit me up on Twitter at Sarah Beth Pollock and let me know what you thought of it. Cause I, I, I think it was fun, but I'm sure there were different takes from, from everybody. And I'd love to know what you thought. So, um, so yeah, hit me up and, uh, thank you as always for listening to the podcast and, uh, We'll be back. I think that my next podcast, we're going to be talking Hallmark and I've got some other stuff planned for, for the rest of the week. So always something to talk about on the, on the, uh, my nights are booked podcast. So thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you're wondering where I am, well, you might notice that my nights are booked. So thank you so much, everybody.